Well, it's good to be back in the house of the Lord. I'll tell you what. That was the longest two weeks I believe I've ever spent. And my wife said it was even longer for her because she was with me. And uh, But uh, it is so good to be back. We've got a number of people, though, that are not here today. Many because they're out sick. Many because maybe some of them, I know some of them have gone out of town to see people that they were going to go see when the snow and stuff hit and everything. So there's just been a number of uh, reasons that people aren't here, but I sure do want to see them get back. Uh, I'm glad to see Walter back. You know, Walter had a little episode there that he had to go to the hospital, but they said he was too honorary to keep, so they kind of worked on him and sent him home. And uh, but he's doing good. Of course, y'all keep his daughter-in-law and son in prayer. Uh, Pat, his daughter-in-law, when the snow was on the ground, she fell and she broke a bone. It was it in the ankle or just above the ankle? Somewhere in that area, anyway. But huh? Above the ankle. But I think she is going to have to see an orthopedic surgeon. And so she's having a real hard time of getting around, and that's where. Lynn Walker is today. She's out there helping her. And uh, I think uh, uh, the line, Ted and Kushada, I think they've gone to, I think, is it Seymour or Snyder, Seymour One? They got some real good friends down there. And uh, I think they went down there to visit with them. And, uh, but, uh, J.B. Brown has been finally got over the COVID. They have now placed him in a rehab center in South Lake, Texas. Uh, and uh, trying to help him walk again, he got real, real feeble and kept falling. Martha is also doing better, but she's still kind of down. So y'all keep J.B. and Martha in prayer. Keep Pat and Don Seymour and Walter. Uh, Jerry and Linda... Bowen are, are doing good. Jerry is uh, not having any problems. I think he finally got all of his COVID shots. And uh, some people taking them, some's not. I'm not. I mean, it's just, uh, I don't, I just don't trust them yet. And, uh, but Jerry and Linda both, I think, have had both of their shots. So, but, you know, Jerry, he is in his last stages of COPD. And so he has to be very careful. He has not been out of the house. He won't even, Linda can't hardly get out of the house and come home herself except go pick up groceries or something just because he's afraid that she's going to bring something home. And uh, Sherry Geis, which is David Geis' wife, she's in rehab over in Weatherford. She's got uh, kind of a, I think it's more or less neuropathy in her feet and everything. She falls a lot. And they're trying to get her more or less stabilized and everything. So she's in a rehab over in Weatherford. Uh, and these people have not been, she can only have one visitor, and that's David. So y'all just keep her in your prayers. And uh, during this bad weather, I had a friend that uh, family called me in, and they found cancer in his stomach. But anyway, he passed away this week. Uh, named Eddie Jackson. Uh, I don't know if, if any of y'all here have been around Hazel very long or not, but Eddie Jackson's dad years ago owned the Hazel Food Locker on Main Street. 
And I don't know if any of y'all remember that place or not, but uh, that's where they would uh, slaughter the, the, the beef and, and the food locker and sell meat out of it and all of that. Well, his dad owned that. So he went to school here at Azor, and I, I knew him for many years. And then we lost another man. I don't know if you knew Mike Helton or not. Mike was a pastor. Uh, he started Midway Baptist Church down here on 199. Then he went out and started uh, Crossroads Baptist Church on 730. Then he started kind of evangelizing. Anyway. But anyway, he started working with the Indians, building them, helping them build homes and stuff to live in. So he's, he, is, he was real heavy into serving God, but God decided to call him home, and Mike was called home yesterday. And so, keep Mike Hilton and his family in prayer. And uh, it's just been one of those uh, weeks. It seems like so much is going on and so much has happened. And I know that we was getting a lot of prayer requests during the storms and this and that. And I'm sure that all of you on the prayer chain, y'all received the the uh, prayers and everything. And I do want to thank you for praying for these people because we've had a lot of good reports. There's a lot of recovery taking place. And so we know God answers prayer. And uh, But uh, again, thank you all so much. Uh, I had uh, a couple checks come to the house for mail that people on their tithes and things that could not be here. Well, they sent me their checks, so they was deposited up here. I mean, put in the offering place this morning. So thank you all for being faithful, even if you couldn't be here. I do want to thank you for that. It helps so much. You know, bills still go on, just like at our, just like at your house. Still have water, electricity, insurance, everything. You know, upkeep, and it's all that. But you know, God has really blessed us on that. He's 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 kept us above what we've actually needed. And so He's been blessing us, and He's continuing to bless us, and. Uh, so anyway, I just give God praise for everything that He has done and the things He's doing. And I'm more for, over, I'm going to give Him praise for the things He's going to do. God's not through yet. Uh, we're going to see, I think, some things take place here in the near future that uh, God's really going to be have His hand in it. And uh, we're going to know it's God. There's not going to be a doubt in our mind things are going to happen in this country up in Congress, and so forth, that God's fixing to do something. We've got such an evil mess going on up in, up there that it, I don't think God's going to continue to put up with it. But anyway, today, and I hope that, that you know, like I say, I'm out, and I get to talk to a bunch of people and see them and everything, and a lot of people really have a problem, not so much as they don't want to believe, but they said, you know, it's all, I can't see something and know something for sure, it's hard for me to believe it. You know, in serving God, the Christian, it says we are to walk by faith and not by sight. 
We're to walk by God's Word, not by what we see going on. Oh, it's nice to see things happening, to see God working, and He does that. But many times, we have to walk by faith. Because things come up in our life that we don't see at that point of uh, how it's going to play out. But if you serve God, you can turn, go to God's Word, and He'll tell you how it's going to work out. Just have faith and trust in God. And my title of my message this morning, I entitled it, The Heartbreak of Unbelief. There is going to be heartbreak in unbelief. I want to tell you that right now. If you have a problem believing, remember over in the book of James, it tells us, He who doubts, let him not think he shall receive anything. God does not want us doubting Him nor His Word. What God has said, God will do. God has said that He must be faithful to Himself. You know what? What does He mean that He has to be faithful to Himself? When God has made a statement, God has to be faithful to what He has said. So what He has made, in fact, even in the book, over there in, in Isaiah chapter 55, it tells us from, that, that we're not going to always understand what God does because He says, for my ways are higher than your ways, or His thoughts are higher than your thoughts. And we don't understand everything God does. We doubt, and we think to ourselves, is this really going to happen? Can I really believe this? I'm going to tell you right now, if it's God's Word, yes. You can believe it. Matter of fact, you need to believe it. Above anything else of what man says, if man tells you something that does not line up with the Word of God, disregard what man has said. And go by what God has said. Because that's what's going to happen and that's what's going to take place. You know, and I know many people have a hard time of believing something that they don't understand and they won't believe it unless they can break it down as to how and why it happened. I've known people like this. If they can't get an understanding of why something happens or why this takes place or if they can't see something, they won't believe it. Matter of fact, you've probably heard that old, that old saying, seeing is believing. Many people won't believe until they see it. That's what, that's what Doubting Thomas said. When Jesus entered the room where the disciples were, Thomas wasn't there. But Jesus, after he had rose from the dead, he came to visit with the disciples. Thomas just happened to not be there. And then Thomas showed up after Jesus had left, and they were trying to tell Thomas, Jesus was here. And Thomas said, what are you talking about? Jesus died. He died on that cross. How could he be here? He was here. He has risen. Thomas said, I will not believe it unless I see it. Unless I can put my finger in the nail scars in his hand. Unless I can thrust my fingers into his side where the pierce, where the arrow, where the spear pierced him. He said, then I'll believe. Well, just a few days later, Thomas was in that room. Who comes? Who appears? Jesus. Jesus walked up to Thomas. Jesus wasn't there when Thomas was saying all that. He said, Thomas, put your finger in those nails, pierced hands. Thomas, thrust your hand here where the spear pierced my side. Thomas, tears just flowed. 
Thomas dropped to his knees and said, Oh, Lord, my God. He knew that he had seen. Then what did Jesus say? Blessed is he who has seen, who has believed and not seen. We're more blessed when we can believe something before we see it. We have to have that faith to walk with God, believing what God has said, because this is what pleases God. You know, and I mean, I mean, there, there are times I've been a little leery of some things. Yeah, you know, I've been maybe invited out to lunch or something from maybe I knew the guy, the salesman or something, but I was always leery because I, I knew that when I went up, he was going to try to sell me something. And I think we're all like that. When you know something is not right, you're kind of a little bit leery of it. But you know, and I think that's one of the problems we have with the gospel of Jesus Christ. You've got to miss, the, the gospel really sounds too good to be true, doesn't it? All the things that Jesus Christ did. How He came. How He died on that cross. How He took our sins. Placed them up on Himself. And in place of our sins, He gives us His righteousness. Wow. I mean, that is just something that just doesn't happen. You know, so that just sounds too good to be true. He takes my sins and gives me His righteousness. That's Jesus' love. Or we think about eternal life. Now that really does, doesn't it? That sounds too good to be true, eternal life. But God has promised us that if we will believe upon the Lord Jesus Christ, confess Him with our mouth and believe in our heart, He says you shall be saved. And through this you shall have eternal life. You know, and it talks about the beauty of heaven and how gorgeous and beautiful heaven is. Well, it just sounds too good to be true because when we look at the things of this earth, like I've told y'all before, to look at the things of this earth it is hard to, to even think about how beautiful heaven is because we have nothing here to compare to how beautiful heaven is. In 2 Corinthians 2.9, it tells us, For it is written, Eye has not seen, ear has not heard, nor has it entered into the heart of man the things God has for those who love Him. We cannot even begin to imagine the wonderful things that God has for us for those who love Him. He wants to, to give us these things. You know, and I got to thinking, <clears throat> as I was kind of studying on this, what about those disciples that were just mourning and weeping over the death of Jesus? And Mary came to them. Mary came to them and told them she had seen Jesus. That He had risen. And this just seemed too impossible for the disciples to believe. They were without joy. They were weeping. They were in mourning. They were unhappy. You know, and the disciples said they knew it was impossible for men to rise from the dead. <coughs> and uh, the thing I never really understood, or I mean, I, I know it happened because the Bible said it did, but how could the disciples doubt Jesus when they walked with Him? They seen His miracles. They seen people right being rose from the dead. They seen hearing restored, blind eyes open. They seen all this with their own eyes, but yet they still doubted. When Mary said that Jesus was alive, they just they just couldn't accept it. They just could not believe it. And and I'm just wondering, 
Did they already forget about the widow of name and Jesus raising her son up out from the dead? Did they forget about Jairus' little daughter that died and Jesus raised her up? Had they already forgotten about Lazarus? You know, excuse me, with Lazarus, Jesus did something. He waited four days later than what he normally would to go to Lazarus. He wanted people to know that Lazarus was truly dead. He said, this is going to give God glory from what we're fixing to do. See, the Jewish people had a belief. They believed that the spirit of that person would hang around that grave for three days trying to re-enter the body. So Jesus waited what? He waited four days. See, in that climate, the body would deteriorate so much faster than it would normally would in some places. They knew by three days that body was already beginning to deteriorate, to decompose. Once that started, they knew that the spirit would not re-enter back into that body. That spirit left. That was the Jewish belief. So that's why Jesus waited four days for these Jewish people to know there's no way that this Lazarus could be alive. He asked, he asked Mary, he said, Mary, the sister of Lazarus, said, where is he buried? Where is he buried? Take me to his tomb. But, but Lord, he's been dead four days. He said, Take me to his tomb. She took him. And the people followed. God was fixing to get some glory. They was fixing to see God work. Jesus walks up there. And what does he do? He simply says, Lazarus, come forth. You know what Mary said? Well, but Lord, he's been dead. He stinketh by now. She already knew that he had been dead all this time and the body was beginning to decompose. She said, but Lord, if you come, he stinks by now. Lord again, Lazarus, come forth. He told the men to push the stone out of the way. What happens? Here comes Lazarus, all wrapped in these uh, uh, clothing, these wraps that they wrapped a body in. He comes waddling out of that tomb. They say, Jesus said, unwrap him. Lazarus was alive. Jesus called. Lazarus, come forth. You know, I don't know if it's true or not, but a lot of people said he, he specifically stated, Lazarus, come forth. Many people seem to think or thought that if Jesus would have walked into that graveyard and said, come forth, everybody would have rose and come forth. He does, that's, why he, they said, that's why they say he designated Lazarus come forth. Lazarus came forth. Of course, lived a life. And of course the Jewish people wanted to kill Lazarus because he was bringing God glory. They wanted to kill Jesus because Jesus was bringing God glory. 
It's kind of the way this old world is today. Anything that God can do that's good and moral, they want to destroy it. But Lazarus came forth from that grave. <clears throat> you know, and this here, when I was studying for that, I said, man, how soon we forget. Those disciples had already forgotten or wasn't thinking about the people that Jesus had raised from the grave. So why could Jesus himself not rise from the grave? Come forth. God the Father simply raised his own son. He came forth. This was to glorify God. This was to show us there is life after death. Jesus showed us. He proved it to us. We shall live after we die. We shall have eternal life through what Christ has done. <clears throat> you know, and I got to thinking, I got to looking, what did these disciples' unbelief cost them? You know, I guess when I start reading and studying, I start wondering about stuff. And then I go check out what I'm wondering about. But when they should have been, these disciples, when they should have been rejoicing and happy that Jesus was alive, they were mourning and weeping simply because they did not have the joy they should have had. They did not believe that Christ had rose. They did not believe it. This should have been the greatest and happiest day of their life. Their Lord was alive. He had arisen. He was there. They sh I mean, they should have just been overflowing with joy and praising and singing songs and just a time of, of total rejoicing because that Jesus was alive. But they spent that time in sorrow, weeping, crying because they didn't believe. They, they didn't, <coughs> excuse me, they didn't believe that Jesus had rose. And they had no joy until Jesus proved that he was alive. There was absolutely no cause for those disciples to be crying, weeping, and going on. The stone had been rolled away. The tomb was empty. Jesus had risen. Jesus was alive and he is alive today, sitting at the right hand of God right now making intercession for you and for me. When we pray, Jesus takes our prayers and he presents them to his Father. He's making intercession for us. What is intercession? That's doing something for somebody else. When we have intercession prayer, that's like the prayer chain. <coughs> when we pray for somebody, we're making intercession for them. We're praying for them. Maybe they're not able to. But we can. And we pray Jesus takes those prayers that we pray and he says, Father, these are the prayers of your saints. Will you honor them? God is not going to refuse his son. He says, yes, I will honor them. That's why a prayer chain is so effective because we're presenting it to, to God through the Son interceding for us. You know, uh, through what Christ did on that cross, I mean, these are the facts that we know today. 
We know that these things happen through the Word of God that Jesus has triumphed over death, hell, and the grave. Jesus had victory over death, hell, and the grave because of the cross. He and he, we know that he is risen from the dead, and we know now that he lives forevermore. This should be in each one of our hearts, and we should not doubt this. But we should believe with everything in us one day. I just want, I'm thinking here about this friend of mine. He loved the Lord. Eddie Jackson. He loved him. I know, he, I know Eddie's in heaven with his heavenly father. Mike Helton. He served God all his life. A pastor, an evangelist, helping people, taking care of the Indians, helping, helping, helping build them homes to live in. He was presenting the word of God to them. Many of the Indians were saved and they accepted God because of Mike. And I like what, what, what the little uh, note that come across the phone said. His daughter simply put in there, My father has heard the words. Welcome home, my good and faithful servant. They knew where Mike was. Oh, they were sorrowful that he had died, but they knew where he was. And they know that with that aneurysm and that brain damage, he would probably, I'm just going to say, he would probably been a vegetable. Mike wouldn't have wanted it. The family wouldn't have wanted it. Mike is where he's always desired to be with his heavenly Father. That's where he's at. Anybody that believes in the Lord Jesus Christ and serves him, you have a promise of heaven and eternal life. That's a promise. Now I remember a while ago I said that God must be faithful to himself and what he's spoken. Well, why does he have to do that? Because if God has made a promise to us and he breaks it, he's a liar. And God cannot lie because God cannot sin and sin is a lie. God has to be faithful to what he speaks, to what he says he's going to do. He has to do it. And we have to get that into our hearts. If we read a promise from God and God states a promise, and this is something we need, we say, God, I'm standing on that promise because you have made that statement and you have to do it, and I'm trusting in you to do it. All my faith is in you, and I'm thanking you right now. I'm thanking you right now for what I'm about to receive from you. Believe, even though you don't see. Believe it. You know, all through history we see the terrible cost of unbelief. Unbelief cost us. What do you mean it cost us? Look at Adam. Adam did not believe God when he talked about eating the fruit of the tree of the garden. He did not believe God would do what he said he would do. He did not believe things would happen. But look what happened. God's word, he kept it. What about the men of Noah's day who did not believe that God would destroy the earth with a flood? They didn't believe it. But God did it because he said he would. The Israelites did not believe the word of God. They doubted God. And that doubt cost them 40 years of wandering in the desert because they didn't believe. After all they'd seen God do, they still didn't believe. We see the terrible price that's paid for unbelief. There is a price that is paid. 
Adam brought death into the world because of his unbelief. The men of Noah's day were destroyed by the flood. All this was caused by unbelief in what God said he would and could do. He said he would do it and he did it. He's still doing that today. Believe God's Word. Do not doubt God's Word. You know, the Bible tells us that Christ died for our sins. He says that's why Christ came, is to die for our sins. He was the only one capable of doing it because He was without sin. He was the only one pure enough. You know, even when they, in the Old Testament, and when they brought sacrifices, they said that the lamb or the bullock or whatever had to be brought without blemish, Nothing wrong. Whole. That'd be pure without blemish. Sometimes people would try, oh, I'll bring a sacrifice. Well, I've got a lamb out here. He's blind, but I'll just take and sacrifice that. No, you sacrifice your best to God. Because God gives you His best. So we sacrifice our best to God. If we will confess this with our mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in our heart that God raised Him from the dead, we shall be saved and have eternal life. What did I say? This is a promise of God and God has to fulfill it. He has to fulfill it. So I would ask you today, do you believe this or do you doubt God's Word? Well, Jesus, will somebody really come and die for me? Would somebody really come and take my sins upon themselves? Would they go through what Jesus did? All the scourging, the cross, the nails, the hatred. All that he went through was for us. To give us eternal life, to take away our sin. Many ask, why would God do these things? Because God is love. And he loves us. God gave us an answer. Because God loves us and wants us to believe in Him and His Son. He wants us to believe and not doubt. Why? Because if we doubt Him, we'll perish. What does perish mean? Perish means to be separated for all eternity from God. To perish means to be separated from God. You no longer are part of God. You're not close to God. God does not hear your prayers. You're gone. You perish if you do not believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. Perish? Well, where do I perish? Well, what? You perish eternally. But, but uh, it said God loves us. Of course, this scripture here is probably one of the most quoted scriptures in the Bible, but it's what God says. And I think it, it is so important that we get this in our heart. I think that's why it's used so much. And y'all know what it is, John 3.16. For God, you shall not be separated from God, but you shall have eternal life in heaven with God and His Son. Now I want to show you something. Look at what happens when you believe. We know that we believe in your heart that Jesus is the Son of God and God raised Him from the dead. We said a while ago, you shall perish, but have eternal life. When you believe what God has said, you know, God's to bring us salvation. 
It, even in fact, even the Bible says that we were bought with a price. A very heavy price. That's the price of his of God's son's life. To die for us. Like I said, God is very best. And that was his son Jesus Christ. Through Jesus Christ, if we believe him, we have no sin. The sin has been gone. Jesus has took our sin upon him and gave us his righteousness. Well, what a trade. Our sin for His righteousness. See, when God looks at us, He doesn't see sin any longer. You know what He sees? He sees righteousness. Not our righteousness, because we have no righteousness. But He sees His Son's righteousness on us and in us. Because He gave us His righteousness and took our sin. We said we showed what happened when we... What happens if we don't believe? I took, this is the heartbreak. This is the heartbreak I was talking about. The heartbreak. The not believing God. It's simply Revelations 21 verse 8. God makes it pretty clear. You know, that's one thing I like about God's Word. He doesn't hum haw around. He tells you like it is. And this is exactly what He's told us here. <clears throat> but the fearful or the cowardly and the unbelieving, those who do not believe, and the abominable, and murderers, whoremongers, sorcerers, idolaters, and all liars. I told you a while ago, lying was a sin. And all liars shall have their part in the lake which burns with fire, with brimstone, which is the second death. This is hell that you will be cast into because of unbelief. That is the consequences of not believing is eternity in hell. None, no person has to go to hell. No person has to. But you make the choice if you do or not. If you don't believe... You can't get a fireproof suit strong enough to withstand hell. If you believe for all eternity in the very presence of God Himself in the new Jerusalem. Can you all imagine what the new Jerusalem is going to look like and how beautiful it is? God is sending. They say right now that the new Jerusalem is ready to come down. This earth will be destroyed by fire. Why? Why fire? Because fire destroys impurity. This earth right now is so full of sin that God is going to destroy it and fire is His sure way of destroying all that sin. God will burn this earth up. But we'll have a new place. Our new place will be called the New Jerusalem. Our new home in heaven. You know, in, in John chapter 3, verse 36, it tells us, He that believeth on the Son has everlasting life. Now here's the sad part of unbelief. He that believes not in the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God shall abide on him for all eternity. 
God's wrath will remain on man that does not believe forever and ever and ever. You just keep going. And that wrath is hell. That's God's punishment for the unbeliever that will not believe in Jesus Christ and what His Son did for us here on this earth. Unbelief in Jesus is costing many their peace and their joy today. They don't know what's wrong. Why do I feel like I feel? Because many cannot believe. They cannot believe Christ. They cannot believe. And it's costing them. It's costing them their peace. It's costing them their joy. But that day, they say, Lord Jesus, I'm a sinner. And I ask you to forgive my sins and to receive me as your child. That whole life changes. You become a new creation in Jesus. You become a brand new creation. And all your old life has passed away and now everything starts over new. You have no sin or anything else. You just simply have the peace and the joy and the love of God abiding on you. Unbelief is costing people their eternal life in heaven. Unbelief is costing them. And many people don't realize it. Do you believe? Do you believe in the Lord Jesus Christ? You better question, you better check yourself and question yourself. Do I believe? If not, you better sit down and do some serious thinking, some serious praying, and ask God to come into your life and believe upon His Son, Jesus Christ. Believe in your heart and confess Him with your mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord. You're going to do that one of these days whether you're cast into hell or not. You're going to doubt, bow before Jesus. And you're going to admit Jesus Christ is Lord of all things. You're going to admit it. I'm going to ask the band to come up. I'm going to ask them to play a song. I don't know what they're going to do. But if you are here today and you've had any doubts about unbelief, about the Word of God, I would come right down here to this altar and I'd ask God to forgive me. To come into my heart because I don't want to burn in hell. You know, you get into hell, there's one thing about it. There's no exit signs. You're there forever and ever and ever. There's no escaping. There's no getting out. There's no early parole or anything else. It's forever. So while we've got the chance, now is when we have to invite Jesus Christ into our heart, believe He is the Son of God, serve Him, and not doubt God's Word. We don't want that heartbreak of unbelief and the consequences to be on us. Because one day we'll stand the, the, before the great white throne. Not the believer in Jesus Christ, but those that never believed. They're going to stand before Jesus. Many people say, well, I thought it was going to be God judging on the throne. No, it's going to be Jesus Christ. 
Jesus said in His Word, God has given me all judgment. Christ will be judging from the great white throne. Who was crucified? Who was spit upon? Who was whipped with that, that cat of nine tails? Who went through everything? The man who's judging you. Aren't you glad he's a forgiving God? So I'll ask the band to play. And if you need to, please. We don't know. We're like, like I've told you, told you, we're not promised tomorrow. We're only promised the time we are here right now. Some of us might not even make it home. We don't know. But if you don't, and you know Jesus Christ, you're going to be home in heaven. So I'll ask the band to play. And if you need to, I'll be glad to pray with you. Or here we got an altar for you to come to God.